With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land. Stick to sports podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini. And for the first time, I am not joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. She has departed both Stick to Sports and Land Grant Holy Land. As you might have heard, her redheaded Australian husband decided not to return to his previous employer in Philadelphia and took a new, better paying job in Houston. So as they moved, Tia took that opportunity to begin her career following her one true passion, rescue dogs, and she is now training to work with Houston SPCA. So good luck to you, Tia, and I guess Cam as well. I mean, if we're going to be sending out good luck, I guess don't suck in Houston, Cam. Um, Anyway, uh, but that means that we had to find a new person to put up with me on this show. And honestly, I don't know if he knows what he's in for. But ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce for the first time here on Stick to Sports, Jordan Williams. Jordan, man, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I can't complain. I'm happy. I'm happy to be a part of the group. Happy to be on the podcast. So I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, well, this is the, the first day of a whole new slate of podcasts here in the Land Grant Holy Land podcast feed, and we are kicking it off with you and me doing Stick to Sports. But as always on Stick to Sports, we talked about the things around the periphery of Ohio State Athletics as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertained in between games. So, Jordan, we wanted to have you on this show specifically because you already do a podcast that talks about sports, but talks about things like not sports related as well. So first off, who are you? Where can people hear you in other places? And and why are you now joining an Ohio State related site? So that, that that's a great question. Who am I? Um, I'm, I'm just a sports fan. Honestly, I'm just someone that likes to talk. Uh, and stumbled into podcasting uh, because I found someone else that likes to talk. And a lot of my friends, you know, are into sports, but not, you know, not as much as I am. And my fiance uh, gets tired of me talking about sports and pretending <laughs> that she enjoys the subject. So yeah, yeah. I found podcasting where, you know, I just get to talk in the mic and hope that people listen. Um, I'm, I'm in Ohio, born and raised. So I'm, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. Um, my other podcast uh, get defensive podcast I do with one of my really good friends. Uh, that podcast you can find anywhere. And I'm um, really, you know, like Matt already said, uh, we like to talk about everything. So uh, it's really broken down into three segments. We do um, our trending topic, uh, which we typically find on Twitter because we're young and we're always on Twitter. Um, and then we talk about, you know, a lot of sports, mainly football, basketball, those ones we're comfortable with, but i um, hoping to add in baseball, hockey, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we always do a sports history segment because, you know, we, I love history. Um, I love sports history in particular. So we really just try to talk about as much well-rounded things as possible. Um, Really give like a unique perspective. So uh, as far as why am I doing an Ohio State fight uh, site, you know, I'm a diehard Ohio State fan. You know, I literally, I I pay for the athletic so I can watch Ohio State and read the things. I'm on Bleacher Report, 
I've been following Land Grant Holy Land, 11 Warriors, like literally anything Ohio State. I probably read the same article like seven times because everyone has the same press conference bullets and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so the opportunity to just talk about Ohio State and some of the other things I like to talk about in this view um, and a more narrowed view, as well as having my other podcasts where, I'm, you know, more uh, a larger view for kind of everything it just seemed like a great opportunity so yeah we are super excited to have you uh as part of land grant holy land in addition to stick to sports you're going to be co-hosting another show in the podcast feed we don't exactly know when you're going to kick it off at the latest it would be with football season um it'll be our instant recap podcast which we started doing in the unfortunately abbreviated uh, ohio state basketball postseason but uh you and chris rennie are going to be um breaking down Ohio State games or other games, perhaps uh, not just Ohio State games, right after they are done with uh, your insight, talking about what happened in the game, talk about why things happen in the game. And we are very much looking forward to uh, to having that podcast in the feed as well. I still think like we don't need to wait till the football season, um, maybe do some stuff over the uh, over the summer with some uh, NBA or NHL postseason, maybe a, a little TBT, which is a huge land grant Holy Land favorite um, during the summer as well. But we will get to that because we are recording just, I don't know, like 16, 17 hours after the conclusion of the 2021 NFL draft. Ohio State tied with Alabama for the most players drafted in this year's draft class. They had 10. We will talk about maybe not all of them, but we will talk about them. Uh, momentarily. It was a little bit of an interesting draft because Ohio State only had one first rounder, which is very different than it has been in years past. And that was, of course, Justin Fields dropping a little bit from where he should have been all the way down to number 11, where he was selected by the Chicago Bears. And Jordan, what what was really interesting to me is that like the Chicago Bears have had a really tortured history with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe since like, I don't know, um, um Jim McMahon. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, they of course had the great Craig Krenzel for a while, but um, the, the Chicago bears fans, and there's a lot of them um, that I follow just because of the Midwest connections. Like they all seem to be super pumped about Justin Fields. And that makes me so incredibly happy considering everything that the draft media and analysts did to like really try to ruin this young man's uh, future with all of the garbage that they were spewing leading up to opening uh, opening night of the draft. Yeah, that's that. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because that's my least favorite thing about the draft. You know, everyone says that uh, teams leak things because they hope players fall to them. And, um, you know, all these people who aren't talking to the coaching staff or, or the players themselves, they have all of these insights or they're supposedly watching film and, but they don't know the play call and things like that. And so they're really tearing these young men down. And it's like they're on the cusp of, of, of a life-changing event, something that they've worked for their entire life. And you spend, you know, three, four months just tearing them down. And I understand, you know, a part of it, you have to look at weaknesses and things like that. You have to be sure. able to project. But I think they go uh, way, way too far. And it felt like it was really only focused on Justin Fields, which I didn't get because, you know, as a as someone that's a fan that's played football, you're watching all these quarterbacks and you you will you know that they all have flaws and things like that. And some of the things that they were mentioning for Justin fit for other quarterbacks or every quarterback that comes into the league. So, but I agree that, you know, it seems like the Chicago Bears fans are really excited, which makes me happy because I think, especially as a quarterback, you want to go somewhere where you're wanted. 
And I know that yeah. we've all seen draft picks where the where the fans are like, ah, oh, that guy, you know, there was someone else. So there was something else. And so the fact that he's going to have the one that they traded up nine spots, that means the organization wants him, the coach wants him. They really, you know, the like you said, they have a troubled history. So, you know, they were really on the verge of getting fired, which the way they handled the quarterback situation um, and the different quarterbacks that they brought in. So for them really pushing their chips in the table and saying, we're going up from 20 to 11, we want to get Justin Fields, he's our quarterback. And then to see the fan reaction, uh, I, I think I, I didn't think it before. You know, I didn't think he was going to go that late. They were at 20, but I really think that's the best place for him. Uh, it was just an outpouring of love from everyone, everyone in the Bears organization and the fans. So I think he's really going to have a chance to succeed there. Yeah, and what's interesting is, is that the Bears are saying that they are the guy that they had before Justin Fields they brought in during the offseason, Andy Dalton, is going to be the starter. And what they want to do is kind of have like an Alex Smith um, Patrick Mahomes relationship where the veteran sticks uh, as the starter for a year and kind of lets Justin Fields get his feet wet um, and kind of get acclimated not only to this specific Chicago Bears offense, but also to the NFL in general. And then eventually Fields um, becomes the starter for the Bears. Now, I think most Ohio football fans have seen Andy Dalton play a lot uh, <laughs> thanks to his decade or so with the with the Bengals. And again, I told I, I this is not a secret. I am not a huge NFL guy. Like I don't have a team. I used to, I grew up as a as a Bengals fan, but they completely screwed the pooch on that, and I just don't care anymore. Um, so I'm like the guy who just turns on the red zone on Sundays and just watches everything, mm. uh, but don't really follow any specific team. Um, but I know enough to know that from Cincinnati to Dallas and now to Chicago that there's no way that Andy Talton is actually going to be the starter for the entire <laughs> season, right? Like you follow the NFL much more than I do, but like maybe he gets the first few weeks, but eventually Justin Fields is going to be the starter in Chicago this year, right? So I, I 100% agree with you and I disagree that he should be the starter this year. Uh, and it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. Justin Fields. One thing that you all will learn about me, I personally believe that every rookie quarterback should sit a year. Like if the Jack, if Urban Meyer called me right now and said, Hey, should we start Trevor Lawrence? I would say no. Go pay $5 million for a backup. You're probably going to lose a lot of games, and that's fine. And I know no fan wants to hear that, but I just think the transition for quarterbacks especially is so tough, and, and especially in certain markets. Like I was like, you're the number one pick, or you're a first-round pick, and they expect so much that if they don't succeed immediately, you yeah. like – you know, there's so many things that can stunt their development, ruin their confidence, things like that. And I just think that we've seen it. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. There's a benefit to sitting. And even and what you're saying, though, I think is the second best, best option, right? If you're not going to sit them for the full year, which I understand it's hard, you know, you have a job on the line as a coach and no one wants to see you lose, then at least sit them four, five, six, seven, eight games, however it is until you feel comfortable, because that just gives them more time in their development. Um, I'm a huge fan of sitting there for the whole year, but I also don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. <laughs> so it's easy for me to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in reality, though, I think you're you're 100 percent right. They just went to a 17 game season. I could see him sitting the first eight or nine, depending on where the Bears uh their bye week is, which they love to do. They love to start new quarterbacks after the bye week, and I mm -hmm. can see him ending the season, uh, especially if the Bears feel like they're close, right? Especially if they feel like they're losing some close games and Andy Dalton is just limited in a certain way, like he can't make certain throws or, you know, because he's a little bit older, maybe a little less athletic, you know, Justin's ability to run outside the pocket and extend plays. 
if they feel like, you know, that can get them that next step, especially with them adding, you know, another playoff team. So it's seven teams now. Um, if they're anywhere yeah. close to the wild card by their bye week, I think they start them. Yeah, and we'll get the uh, NFL schedule release on May 12th. So if it is like a week I don't know, eight or nine, you know, by week, if it's later on, that definitely gives credence to what you were talking about, Jordan, where they might wait, let them learn the playbook um, and then, you know, throw him in the deep end when they have a full two weeks to bring him up to speed as the starter um, heading into whenever the rest of the season is. And I do want to point out, like, I hope I'm not pulling the curtain back too much. Like I, I so far in just the, the 12 ish minutes that we've been, um, recording is what's interesting is is that you are, are really focused on um, the player and how they are, you know, kind of like the development of them. And I think that speaks to like what you do for a living, like you work in higher education. And I don't want to if you don't want to reveal too much, if I'm saying too much. But like, I think that really is important to know, like how that informs what your perspectives are when it comes to collegiate athletics. Uh, yeah, no, you didn't pull the curtain back too much. I, but I, I agree, you know, um, I really am focused on that development because you see the NFL is hard. Everyone says that. And you see so many people flame out. And it's unfortunate to me sometimes that it's the players who flame out, but the coaches always get second, third, fourth opportunities, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's like these, you know, I say kids because I'm now 26. So the people so coming old. to you the draft, so, and like, you are so old. You are ancient. <laughs> I hear, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. But this is like the first time in my life, especially with the NBA, where like all the players coming in are younger than me. Like with the NFL, it's like 24, 25. Like they can get up there, fifth year seniors. Yeah. Like the NBA, they're all like 18. And I'm like, eight years? Like, <laughs> I feel ancient. I'm not. I'm nowhere close to it. No, I don't even want to tell you how old I am. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just like, you know, these coaches can, can, you know, take these players, you know, put them through a meat grinder, not teach them what they're supposed to do. And you know that they have the talent because they're there, right? They're the top one or 2% of athletes in the world. uh, And then they don't get a chance. They bounce around from teams and then they're out of the league in two or three years where these coaches get chance after chance after chance after chance. So for me, especially when it comes to the quarterbacks, I'm all about the development. I want to see everyone succeed. You know, I'm I'm a Colts fan, but I'm just a fan of football in general. And I know, you know, what this means to the players, you know, as much as I can as yeah. someone that's not a professional athlete. So I just want to see them succeed, especially players that, like, I have stock in. I have stock in Justin Fields. He was Ohio State's quarterback for two years. Um and he did a lot of great things for the program, especially, you know, when we're losing Urban Meyer. We don't know what Ryan Day is going to be like. Um, we're watching. I like to call him OSU Joe because LSU fans think that he's theirs. And oh, he's it's, my, it's my favorite <laughs> troll. It is my favorite troll on the Land Grant Holy Land Twitter account. Like anytime I can mention the fact that. Uh, Joe Burrow is an Ohio State Buckeye. I do it. And they jump in our mentions every time. I don't care. It's hilarious to me. That is what we do here at Land Grant Holy Land. We will troll you if you tell us something bothers you. And I love that. So, yeah, we're watching OSU Joe succeed with LSU and all that other kind of stuff. And we were really just like, what are we doing at quarterback? We have all these players. We have this talent. And he came in and you could argue, and I'm one of them, that he was the best quarterback to ever play at Ohio State. So, um, for him, I'm definitely focused on his development. Um, but yeah, that, I think you're right. What I do for a living really informed my perspective on college athletes and especially their transition to the NFL. Yeah, I've written articles saying the same thing. Like, I, Justin Fields is the best 
quarterback in Ohio State history. He might not have the numbers of a JT Barrett um, just because of the duration of his career, but like he's the best quarterback that Ohio State's ever had, and there's really no arguing it. Um, except for if you read my last article about the Bears actually ju- uh, drafting Justin Fields and are too stupid to understand sarcasm and satire, um, which, trust me, we got quite a bit in the social medias and in my inbox through people who thought my article, wait, the Bears actually drafted that bum Justin Fields, was serious. And if that's the case, you're dumb. Um, anyway, but Jordan, you mentioned the fact that like you just don't want to see guys flame out. And that brings us to like some of the other uh, players who ended up getting drafted. Um, as I said, there were 10 players who ended up getting drafted, including Justin Fields. Four other Buckeyes have so far signed um, as undrafted free agents. As you look at this list, who on here sticks out as somebody who landed in a spot that really could be a great fit for the type of player they are um, and really could help them have a really successful NFL career? Uh, so of the 10, I actually think I have five. And so I'll just run through them really Actually, okay. six if you include Justin Fields. I'll run through them really quick. I think my number one is actually Trey Sermon. Yeah, I think too. he's me the too. perfect running back for the 49ers. And everyone was like, oh, why did the 49ers draft a running back? They have a million running backs. I think a part of it is, and I'm just guessing, I don't know the 49ers, but I think a lot, you would, I think most teams would prefer to have the, a number one running back. And it speaks to the 49ers and their scheme that with all the running backs they have, they can still be successful. But like, wouldn't you want to know who your guy is, who you're going out and giving the ball to when you need it, instead of having to rotate and then having those other backs for what they're good at? And so I think Trey Sermon fits that. I think he can go in there, instantly be the number one back. He can be their three down guy. And then they already know the skill sets of the other ones, so they can rotate as they feel necessary. But I do think he's going to get the bulk of the carries. I think that's perfect fit. I think and, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and, and if he's the starter, that means they drafted an entire rookie backfield uh, with first name Trey. So uh, you got Trey Lance and uh, Trey Sermon. I think that's really mm. what it all comes down to. I, I think that's the key to success. <laughs> get as many trays yeah, as you yeah, can, yeah. or as many of the same names yeah. as you can. And yeah, I like it. I think it's good, but no, yeah, I definitely think I think he's a thousand yard a thousand yard rusher if they if he stays healthy. Um, the second one, I'm not a Browns fan, even though I'm from Ohio. I'm from Canton, which is down the street from Cleveland, basically. Tommy Togia to the Browns with their defensive line, that's beautiful. Like I, I can't believe he fell so far, but I think he has the chance to be a stud immediately. So I'm a big fan of that one. Well, they've got it. Like you said, they've got a great defensive line. Like, and, it, and it's very similar. I feel like bringing him in to what Larry Johnson does with Ohio State is that they've yeah. got a great defensive line. But if you bring in another guy who can be a complimentary player and just start rotating mm-hmm. guys through, he's gonna get play there. Um, and and I think you're right. Like, it's a chance for him to grow and develop while not having to be like the guy right away. But mm-hmm. it, it puts him in a situation to succeed. So I think I think that's another really good landing spot. Uh, for a Buckeye that I'm very happy about. It's really going to be really similar to Ohio State, too, because they have the stud on the outside. You know, Tommy Togia has played with Chase Young, and I'm pretty sure he played uh, with Nick Bosa at least for a year. Whether he was on the field or not, he was there, right? And so he's going to go from stud Nick Bosa to stud Chase Young to stud Miles Garrett, which, I mean, that's just going to allow him to get one-on-one. And he's he's, 
he's great. So, you know what I mean? So I think that's perfect for him. Like you said, he doesn't have to be the guy. They already have a guy. He may not even have to be the second guy. But if he's your fourth guy, if he's yeah, your fifth guy strong. and that's he's strong. that good, I mean, your defensive line is one of the best in the league. So I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, I have to say Luke Farrell just because Urban Meyer knows how to use him. <laughs> Does he? Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> Ohio State hasn't used a tight end since Ricky Dudley. Like, I love the fact that he got drafted. And we're going to talk about the video uh, that we saw of of Urban calling Luke here in a little bit. But, like, he didn't use him at Ohio State. And granted, he was only there, you know, for the beginning of his career. But, like, when has Urban Meyer used a tight end, at least during his Ohio State career? He used them as distractions and to block. Yeah, to block. That's very true. <laughs> he does know how I mean, to use them to block. He doesn't throw to them. But, you know, I feel – I don't know. I think – Maybe maybe I'm an OSU homer. Maybe I just do that one in for the sentiment of Urban Meyer getting a Buckeye. But I think I think you know, however they plan on using him, I think he fits there, where some other teams may not have seen the fit. And I mean, if nothing else, he got drafted higher than people thought, so he's making more money. He Shout out to Urban for paying his guy. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to get drafted. So just the fact that he went yeah. in the fifth round is like, oh, damn, that was unexpected for me. Urban Meyer's loyal. Yeah, I mean, we, we I mean, know that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, sometimes over, <laughs> overly loyal. Uh, he's so loyal that I'm su- really honestly surprised that he didn't a draft tough Borland or at least get him as an undrafted free agent. But he instead went to the Minnesota Vikings uh, and uh, Rick Spielman, Chris Spielman's brother, who is the GM there. So I guess it's staying in the Buckeye family is the only way that tough could make it to the league, but that's neither here nor there. So, all right. Uh, who else, Jordan, who else on your list uh, is, is in a good landing spot? I think the last one that I have is Josh Myers. Um, you know, I'm surprised that he went, you know, higher than Wyatt Davis. Yeah. Um, but I think Josh Myers is going to the Packers. They OSU guy. They just got rid of Corey Lindsay, uh, who was an OSU guy. And I think, you know, no one wants to talk about – I love offensive line play. Like, if, if anyone wants to reach out to me and just, like, randomly have a 20-minute conversation about offensive line, we can do that. I'm not going to make you listen to that. All I'm going to say is, as your center, you want someone there that you don't have to think about. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. If you don't know his name, you are good. And I think he could be that. Yeah, I mean, Josh Myers going uh, number 62 overall in the second round was was definitely a surprise. Like, I, I thought – um, he'd be a day three guy, maybe late uh, third round, early fourth round. But having him go that high makes a ton of sense landing in Green Bay. The one that really, I think, interests me that you didn't touch on is is Sean Wade. He fell all the way down to pick 160 yeah. in the sixth round, but he was picked by the Baltimore Ravens. And obviously, we can talk all we want about all the money that he missed out on by coming back to Ohio State. I am somebody who never faults a player for leaving early, go get your money. If that's what you want to do. I'm also not somebody who faults um, a a player for coming back. If that's what they want to do. I would not necessarily recommend it in a lot of cases, Um, but for Sean Wade, that's what he felt would be best for him because he wanted the opportunity to play outside. He knew that that was a risk coming back because he probably would have been a first at worst early second round pick if he was in the 2020 draft, but he took that risk. He knew what the risks were going in and he came back. It did not work out. So we fell down to the sixth Mm -hmm. round. And I think we now know that Sean Wade 
is not an outside corner. He's never going to be an outside corner in the NFL. So we know that he's going to be a slot corner, a nickel corner, maybe play a little bit of safety. And when you're drafted by the Ravens, I mean, I don't their base isn't nickel, but they run a ton of nickel coverages. Yeah. And you're going to an organization that prides itself on good defense, that has a lot of great defensive coaches, that runs a scheme that accentuates what you do well as Sean Wade. We know he's 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 skilled. We know that he's mm-hmm. got the technique. Um, he's not a top end speed guy, so that could hurt him, especially with the more we see super athletes in the NFL moving into the slot mm-hmm. at wide receiver. But like, if there's going to be an organization that can can make the most out of what Sean Wade does well, I feel like it's the Ravens. So I I, I feel really bad for Sean missing out on literally tens of millions of dollars um, yeah. by this but, <laughs> guarantees all of that. Yeah, but. If if he's going to find a way to turn it around and make himself into the player that we all thought he was a year or so ago, this might be the way to do it, Jordan. Yeah, I don't know how the Ravens do it. Like, do they pay the commissioner to let them draft this well? <laughs> like, are they are they bullying the other teams? Like, how the Ravens always get the player that they need when they're not supposed to be there? It, it, it blows my mind. But, like, you're 100% right. And in this league, you know, the slot corner is basically a full-time starter. You know, like 10, yeah, 15, 20 to. years ago, you might never see the field, but he's going to be on the field 50, 60, 70% of the time. And like you said, he's literally in the perfect scheme. And I think back to the Clemson game where unfortunately he was, you know, ejected. I oh, think two, that two version games, of yeah, him. Yeah, two Clemsons ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two, I'm sorry, two Clemsons ago when he was ejected. I think that version of him is what you're going to see for the Ravens. I think, you know, because it was Clemson, Ohio State was a little bit more aggressive, and you saw a lot of the blitzing. You saw a lot of that, and I think that's how he's going to be used, and you perfectly said it. And that slot corner, part-time safety role, really flexible, really really good player, and maybe you provide some help over the top if he's going against Tyreek Hill, but there's only one Tyreek Hill. So for, for most of the players in the league, I think he can stick with them and he's going to be a minutes blitzing. But I, I feel, but I do feel sorry for some quarterbacks that has to deal with the Ravens defensive line, which is enough. And then out of nowhere coming Sean Wade. Yeah, that's a really good fit. Let me run through the rest of the picks just so people uh, know all of them. We said Fields at 11 to the Bears. Pete Werner went to the New Orleans Saints at pick number 60 in the second round. Another Buckeye uh, heading down to the Big Easy. We mentioned Josh Myers at 62 to the Packers. Um, Then there's Wyatt Davis, who we mentioned, who went in the third round, pick 86 to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, As we mentioned, Trey Sermon, number 88 to the San Francisco 49ers. Baron Browning went with the final pick in the third round and all of the compensatory picks went to the Denver Broncos, which actually seems to have disappointed Urban Meyer. The Jacksonville Jaguars had the first pick in the fourth round, and it sounds like some of the things he was saying. He was planning on taking Baron Browning with the first pick in the fourth uh, fourth round of the draft. Unfortunately, the the, the Broncos got him um, first. Unfortunately for Urban, uh, if you're a Broncos yeah. fan, good for you. We mentioned Tommy Togiai going uh, in the fourth round to the Browns. Luke Farrell in the fifth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sean Wade um, in the sixth round to the Ravens. And then Jonathan Cooper, who I, again, was shocked that he dropped this far. Um, but, but went in the seventh round, number 239, to the Denver Broncos as well. So he will be reunited with Baron Browning, assuming they can both make the team. Jonathan Cooper, not the best athlete that Ohio State has seen at defensive end, but a solid guy who's really talented, who, if he can stay healthy, I think has a good career 
um, in the NFL. The four undrafted free agents were Tuff Borland to Minnesota, Justin Hilliard to the San Francisco 49ers, Drew Chrisman uh, stays in Ohio with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then Blake Hobiel goes um, to the Tennessee Titans. One of the things that you wanted to talk about was the fact that Ohio State has had 10 players drafted in each of the last two years. I think they're the only team to have done that. I saw that on the Twitter machine. Um, I think they're the only school to have done that um, for the last two years. I think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Alabama did it once. I think in 2017 yeah. to 2019. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, the last two years, like 2020, oh, yeah, 2021. Yeah, yeah. They're the only ones to do that in the yes. last two years. I mean, you asked the question, do you think that Ohio State can do it for a third year in a row? I will point out my last article that I wrote pre-draft, um, well, or not pre-draft, it was in the middle of the draft. It came out on, um, on Friday, was I contacted the spirits from the other side, used my Miss Cleo crystal ball, to actually get the exact picks for the 2022 draft for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I actually have them with 14 picks next year. Um, that is, of course, um, and this is not my picks. These are the football gods communing the, the future picks through me. I am just the vessel. Um, Mr. Irrelevant in the 2022 draft will, of course, be Demario McCall. Um, so you know that this is accurate if I'm saying that he's getting drafted. But, um, of course, there's a little bit of bias in this and, and silliness. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think 10 picks is is very doable. Obviously we don't know who's coming out. A lot of these are assuming that some guys who will be draft eligible have a good enough season to come out next year. But like, if you look at guys like Olave Wilson, um, if Zach Harrison has a big year, Nicholas Petit Frere, Tyreek Smith, um, Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett. Like I think there's a legit shot that Ohio state could contend not only for a third year in a row with 10 picks, but like, could actually be pushing for the the single season record for the most people uh, drafted, assuming all goes well uh, this fall with the team. So I, I, have, I have a question to ask. Okay. I don't know if this is blasphemy or not. Is it safe to say, because they had 10 this year, right? Is it safe to say that this is one of the worst Ohio State drafts recently? Like, I mean, the players that came out, and, and the players that we have on our roster and looking at some of the other drafts, like, you know, you already mentioned, we only had one, yeah. you know, first round pick. So if we can get to 10 this year, is it, and that's a lot. So I'm not saying it's going to happen every year, but this is also probably one of the worst drafts. Yeah. Right? I mean, worst is relative. Like they, like you said, they had 10 players, but like it was, it was only three in the first uh, two rounds, only six in uh, the first three rounds, which, you know, after you get past the first three rounds, like that's when you start to get guys who are projects. So it's it's not like a lot of these guys are going to be the stars of their teams like a Chase Young or a Nick or Joey Bosa or uh, J.K. Dobbins or anything like that um, or Michael Thomas or whatever. Um, a lot of these guys are going to be like role players for a while. And, and that's fine. But you're right. Like when you look at this Ohio State draft coming out of last year, even though they were in the national championship game, you don't look at it and you're not like oh man, this team is stacked. There are so many players in here that are going to make a difference in the NFL right away. There's not that many. Um, so I think you're right. Like the, the fact that they were able to do this and at one point, like I just, I, you know, I was paying attention to the draft, but not like really in the minutiae of it. Whatever broadcast I was watching, ESPN or whatever said, and Ohio State has taken the lead for the most players drafted this season over Alabama. And I was like, wait, what? How is that possible? So I think you're right. Like, I I really think that if things go as well as I think they will next year 
on the field for the Buckeyes. Like, I think that there could be a ton of guys drafted next year, especially, and I threw one in in my article, um, Henry Toatoa, who is not yet a Buckeye. Like, I think he comes into to Columbus, has one really good year, and very well could end up heading into the NFL and uh, adding another notch in the Buckeyes draft uh, draft legacy. I could see it. I, I could see it, and I could see it going for a while. I mean, you know, like like you meant, worse is relative. Obviously, they're really good players. They're yeah. players who have meant a lot to Ohio State. I hope no one's listening to this thinking I'm saying the players are bad. But when you look at some of the previous drafts and some of the players coming out, I mean, next year we could have four, five, six first rounders if all if the defensive ends have their season. We already have the wide receivers. Like this could be a really big draft for Ohio State next year, and I think there's a really good chance that we're the I believe would be the first team ever to have. 10 players go and three consecutive drafts. I love it. If that happens next year. Let's do it. Um, Yeah, I have five going in the first round uh, next year. Let me ask you, who off the top of your head, who do you think is the first Buckeye off the board in 2022? I think it's it's Garrett Wilson. That's who I have. I think it's Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I have Garrett Wilson as well. They love wide receivers. They love wide receivers. and Garrett Wilson has literally everything that you could ask for. And if you follow up after this year's draft, you know, if you're like me and you pay attention to all the things that really don't matter outside the storyline, you'll notice that a lot of the wide receivers this year were kind of shorter. They were like the slot gadget. Garrett Wilson being as good as he is, I think a team, you know, is going to really want him. So I think he's going to be the first wide receiver drafted. Uh, I think he's going to be the first Buckeye drafted, and there's a chance that he's the first wide receiver drafted. Yeah, I have him going. Yeah, I have him going fifth overall to the New York Jets. So um, that is my pick um, for Garrett Wilson next year. I, I'm sorry, not my pick. That's what the the yes. universe has told Crystal me is ball. going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I, they also told me that he's going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and why? And why would they lie to you? For, for, seriously, they I, they don't have any reason to lie to me. I've always been good to the football gods. So, um, one of my favorite things in the world is every fall, Ohio State puts out these videos where the coaches for each position group like calls the parents of players mm-hmm. to tell them that their son is going to end up being a starter at Ohio State. I love those things, um, Jordan. As you will learn. I cry at everything. I'm a sentimental crier. Like all that (laughs) stuff makes me cry. So the pro version of that is watching all of the videos that teams and players and schools put Mm -hmm. out when somebody gets the call to be drafted. We saw a ton of these. The one with Trey Sermon getting it and all of his friends and family going crazy is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one where Urban Meyer, this is actually put up by the Jaguars, where Urban Meyer calls Luke Farrell. And again, Luke Farrell getting drafted um, in in the fifth round, getting drafted at all, was kind of a bit of a surprise. So he calls and talks Mm -hmm. to Luke. Um, Obviously, he's the coach that recruited him to Ohio State. He talks to Luke's parents. Like that kind of stuff just hits me in the feels. And and I love that stuff. And like you said, like this is a life changing thing for all of them, whether or not they actually like some of these guys like Jonathan Cooper down there in the seventh round, like there's no guarantee that he actually ends up making Mm -hmm. the roster for the Denver Broncos. But the fact that he was drafted, you can say he was an NFL draft pick he's you know he's gonna go to an NFL camp like that's a huge deal for these guys it's something that they've been working towards for literally the majority of their life if not their entire life and I just love seeing that like that is just one of those cool things 
to get a glimpse inside the lives. And it's one of those very rare moments when these big athletic, tough dudes Mm -hmm. lowers their guard a little bit and shows you the emotion. And, and that stuff is some of my favorite things about sports. Yeah, I agree. I have two specific videos I want to ask you about. Neither one relate to the Buckeyes. Did you see the one um, with the Panthers when they drafted the long snapper? I did not know. Oh, and I love me some long snapper uh, footage. Love yeah. that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. No. Yeah. You know, obviously you think long snapper, you know, it's likely not going to get drafted. Uh, so the Panthers drafted a long snapper. And so they called him and they're like, hey, are you coming to Carolina? He's thinking that he's going to be an undrafted free agent. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure yet. Just trying to figure that out. And he's like, no, nah, dude, we drafted you. And he loses it. He's like, what? Are you effing serious? Like, you drafted me? Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, and it was just like, yep, I, I'm going to send it to you. You're going to cry. I'm got it. I got it. Yeah, I've already found it. Thomas Fletcher, <laughs> Alabama long snapper, um, was drafted in the sixth round. And uh, Matt Rule called him and he was very confused by what went on. So I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to watch that <laughs> as we hang up here. Yeah. So that one. And then I apologize. This is my this is my first podcast here. And I'm already talking about that team up north. Um, but my coach drafted Quiddy Pay, And in his interview, the very first thing he says is she's retired. She's not working no more. Uh, and if you That's don't awesome. know his story, like he is an immigrant. His mom moved here to escape the war. Um, they had some family members that were killed because of the war. And she worked three jobs to put him in a position him and his older brother, to put him in a position to play. He, he, you know, told her, he was like, hey, I know it's a lot of money, but if you pay for me to go to this private school, you won't have to pay for college. Gets to college, full ride to Michigan, comes a first-round draft pick. Very first thing he said, yep, mom, you're retired. You're never working again. That's awesome. Yeah, so. I love that stuff. Yeah, I'm not, you know, sitting here with head-to-toe goose with head to toe goosebumps and crying or anything now. So uh, thank you for that. Um, But yeah, no, those are the kind of things that like make this, you know, really hit home. Like we forget, we watch football as fans because we enjoy it. We root for Mm -hmm. teams um, and all of that stuff. And it's hard to always, uh, you know, um, conceptualize how big of a deal this is for these folks. Um, But I love it. So it's uh, very, very cool. Um, And uh and if you haven't seen those, watch those. Those, those, the Ohio State, um, you know, starters and captains. Those are always cool. Mm-hmm. And then anytime some a walk on gets a gets a scholarship in football, those are my favorite. Ones. Yeah, those are cool too. Because again, life changing in a different way than you know mm-hmm. signing an NFL contract, but still life changing. And I love that. So, uh, very yeah. very cool stuff. Uh, all right, Jordan. So let's wrap up this um, a little bit and. We kind of talked about the favorite landing spots, like where we think is going to be the best fit for players. But mm-hmm. I'm interested as a as a Colts fan, if there was other than maybe or maybe it is Quiddy Pay, um, what is what was your favorite pick of the entire draft? Was it a, an Ohio State player? Was it a Colts? Was it some other fit? Uh, for you that was your favorite pick for whatever reason it can be the emotional stuff it can be the fit for the team it can be whatever just what is your favorite pick of the 2021 nfl draft yeah so i already mentioned quitty pay uh and he was up there because a lot of people were saying he was the best defensive end in the draft if you know anything about the colts we cannot draft a defensive end to save our lives um so that was a big one but i think my favorite is actually two picks um it's uh, J-O- J-O-K, um, 
from Notre Dame and Togia to the Browns as a combination. Um, being from Ohio and being from Northeast Ohio, we all know that NFL TV is terrible, so you only get to see the teams you're close to. And so not even as a Browns fan, I grew up watching the Browns be absolutely terrible. And so to see them draft well uh, and, and be able to really do what the best teams do, like do what the Ravens does, do what the Chiefs do, those teams that are always, you know, the Patriots, those teams that are always low picks and, and finding gems that are going to be instant starters no matter what round. Uh I always love that, and especially for it to finally be the Browns, where you know they're not spending a pick on Johnny Menzel or spending a pick on Deshaun Kaiser or something like that. Um, so I think those two, uh, the Browns are competent. So when I'm you know angry in the fall because I just watched Ohio State win and now I can't watch the Colts game because the NFL won't let me, I at least get to watch a good Browns team, a comp- a competent Browns team. Um, so that I think that like as a combination, I think that was my favorite pick. Uh, the Browns being relevant and competent is always going to put a smile on my face. All right. See, here is where I'm going to go the opposite of you. Um, I, again, like I said, I'm not a huge NFL fan. I grew up as a Bengals fan, although I have my grandfather was a huge Browns fan. But my favorite pick of the draft um, <laughs> was when uh, Run DMC's Daryl McDaniels uh, came out to present the pick for the uh, st- uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, they ended up selecting uh, Kendrick Green, a guard from from Illinois, which is great. But but Daryl just came out and like wearing his full Steelers jacket and just trolled the Cleveland fans because the draft was in Cleveland. He trolled them. Just, you know, did the full Steelers troll job. And then at the end, it's just like. Yeah, but I love you, Cleveland. It was just like <laughs> such like the big brother thing. And obviously, I, you know, I kind of think like the Steelers are mate might be the worst team in the division right now. Um, uh, at least, uh, you know, in terms of quarterbacks, they're, pro- you know, Big Ben is probably the worst of the four quarterbacks in that division. But like, it's just such a power move when you're the Steelers. Um, you're one of the best franchises in the entire sport and you're in the hometown of your rival and you can just rub it in. I love that. And the fact that it was, you know, Daryl McDaniels uh, is is just so much more perfect. So that was my favorite pick of the draft, even if it didn't actually have anything to do with the football side of things. So I actually didn't see that. I'm going to have to oh, find it's great. it. It's great. That, that reminds me when the Colts did that to the Titans, when the draft was in Nashville, I believe it was, and the Titans haven't beaten the Colts and, and like forever. Uh, maybe yeah. they did recently, but up at that point, like especially when we had Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, they went on a ridiculous streak of losing to us. And literally at the draft, uh, Pat McAfee and Reggie Wayne at different points trolled Tennessee. So I'm all for it. I didn't see that one. Now I got to go find that video because that's going to be fun. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, All right, folks, that was uh, the first um, edition of the new look uh, Land Grant Holy Land sticks to sports podcast. Thank you for listening to this and all of Land Grant Holy Land's podcasts. If you're finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. Today, this episode marks the launch of a whole new slate of LGHL shows with new uh, topics, new voices, new perspectives. So you do not want to miss out on that. There will be nothing like it in the entire Ohio State podcasting universe. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWW. Matt, Jordan, where can people find you on social media? 
You can find me on Twitter at black underscore royalty eight. Oh, fancy. I didn't realize I was talking to royalty. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, thanks for listening uh, to the five or six of you that are still listening to this. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.